the IAB Australia podcast. Digital advertising leaders and the issues that matter. How do we make it simple? Try to stop a lot of the buzzwords. A chance to change the way a whole industry works. For more information, visit iabaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the IAB Australia podcast. I'm Gay Leroy, CEO of the IAB. The paid search advertising market was worth $6.2 billion in Australia in 2022, driven by investment from the largest corporate organisations through to a range of SMEs and represented 44% of all dollars spent on digital advertising. The search market's seen incredible and steady growth over the last 20 years and nearly doubling in size since 2016. And while there's been growth in investment and consumer usage, as well as refinement in product, the underlying offering has been fairly stable for many years. However, we are starting to see some major changes in the search market, particularly driven through the development in AI. To help us navigate what marketers need to know about the changing search market, I'm joined by two experts. Firstly, we have Gary Nissen, who's the Managing Director of Indago Digital. Welcome, Gary. Hi, how's it going, Gary? Good. And Jonathan Henshaw, commonly known as JD, who's the Head of Product and Innovation at Rival Media. Hey, JD. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Now, before we get into the search side of our industry, we want to hear about you. About We love hearing about why people work in our industry, what makes them stay, uh, what was that sort of trigger for them to start thinking about this as a future career path. Um, Gary, I don't know your backstory. I would love to hear about how you got into this this industry. Um, I actually studied environmental management at school or at university. Um, there weren't many jobs in environmental management or at least none that paid anyway. Um, the internet was just kind of kicking off. There were a lot of really big parties. It was kind of super buzzy, uh, a lot of money being invested and just really wanted to be a part of it, to be honest with you. There was nothing more complex than that. Um, I had my my first uh, job in, in marketing was in 2001, believe it or not. Um, I remember the interview well. The main question was, how many search engines could I name? Um, and that was pretty much how I got the job. So, yeah, I started in 2001. And back then, it, it wasn't so much about uh, convincing people that the technology or the, the the company that I worked for was the right company. It was actually about convincing people that the internet wasn't a fad. Um, it was that early on in the piece. Yeah, okay. And and at that era, there were a number of search engines, right? There were... Um, Alta Vista, uh, Ask, obviously, or Ask Jeeves at the time. And actually in the UK, because originally I'm from the UK, you know, we had uh, business-specific search engines as well. So there were, you know, there were B2B and B2C. So it was a much, much more complex space then. But still, Google still was ruling the roost from a, from a pretty early uh, from pretty early times. And, and in Australia, we had a, a cute little one called Web Wombat, which was almost always my favorite <laughs> one. So a fantastic logo. So... Um, Environmental management, now that the world is talking about sustainability a lot, are your worlds coming together? Are you still interested in that side? I'm, I'm still interested, but more as a, a consumer than something to go into. I think what probably interests me most at that side is, is obviously media agencies talking around becoming uh, more environmentally friendly. We're talking about uh, environmentally friendly websites. I don't know if you understand, but an average website will give off as much CO2 in relation to power as a small car. 
Um, so building in environmentally friendly fashions for, for websites. Um, so I'm interested to see how it will go, but but I'm not a practitioner anymore. I just make sure that I recycle effectively, that, you know, I pick up rubbish off the beach and, you know, much more of a, a personal crusade more than anything else. And Indigo Digital, so you do SEM and SEO? Well, I'm going to correct you. It's Indigo Digital. Indigo, okay. sorry. Yeah. No, not at yeah. all, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'd say we specialize probably in acquisition media. Um, SEO, paid search, still two of the best converting channels in Australia. So that would definitely be a focus. Um, but we've got a big focus on data and analytics as well. Um, a lot of what we do is backed by large data sets, um, which I think is obviously where the modern day world is going. So I would say, yeah, so paid search, SEO, but obviously a big data side as well. Fantastic. And, and Jonathan Henshaw, JD, what's the story there? Yeah, so it actually comes from my middle name, which is uh, Douglas. So Jonathan Douglas Henshaw. It's a very regal name. I think my parents thought I was going to be prime minister or something like that, <laughs> giving me a name uh, so so proper. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a term I've been known for my whole life, and and just something that's stuck. Obviously, when I when I go into the workplace as well, and most people know me as as JD in the workplace. Most of my clients, I think it's once you move past that. Uh, barrier from professional to a little bit more friendly as well normally goes from Jonathan to JD pretty quick with most of the clients that I work with. Awesome we'll, we'll, we'll call you JD we like to think of you as a friend on this yeah, podcast. Thank so you very much. How, how, how did you get into the industry? Yeah so actually funnily enough I, I never actually studied marketing at, at university so um, when, when I finished school I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do as I'm sure you know many people leaving school do. Um, and so I went and studied media and communications, um, actually did a, a double major in public relations and politics. I wanted to, to get into the political space. Um, I think it was actually referred to by one of my lecturers as the dark arts, the, the mixture between PR and, and politics. But um, eventually just knew that, you know, in terms of what I wanted to go and do, um, I needed just to try my hands at different things. So I was pretty lucky enough. I, I got um, an internship actually um, uh, at the Dentu Aegis Network um, and I was able to, to work at Haystack in PR um, doing social media. Um, and then from there was able to kind of try my hands at a number of different things. Ended up finding digital marketing, again, starting my career in the paid social side of things. But it was only through um, a matter of, of trying and constantly trying to find what I actually love to do. And once I found digital marketing um, and got into the digital space, there was absolutely no turning back. So tell me why. Is it the, the, the quantification? Is it the experimentation? What was, what was appealing for you? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think for me, it was the mix between the creative side of it and, and the numbers. Um, very much like always enjoyed numbers, um, you know, my, my entire life. So being able to find that kind of analytic side of it and then mix it in with, you know, creative and technology. It was just a convergence, I think, of a number of different interests that, I, that I've had. Um, and yeah, ever, ever since I've kind of got into the space, I've just been head over heels in love with it. Fantastic. Um, and the Dentsu connection, I know there's quite a few connections with Rival and Rival Media in there. Is that how you moved across to Rival? Yeah. So actually, I, I, after Dentsu, I actually started uh, my own um I actually started my own agency called JBZ Digital uh, with Marcus Betchel, who's a, um, a, a very close mentor of mine. Um, and then from there, we, we were um, merged in and acquired at the start of Rival Media. So didn't jump straight into Rival Media from Dentsu. It was kind of um, 
to JBZ first, but obviously there's a, a few familiar faces within within the building. But you know we're, we're three years old now, and obviously there's been quite a few. Uh, we've grown quite a lot in those three three years. Um, so yeah, I mean in terms of how many people actually come from Dentsu these days, it's a it's a very small number. And you don't have to give me an exact number, but as search as part of the mix that you're offering clients, is it the major one? Is it you know what's what sort of amount of thinking or share of mind is is search for you day to day yeah so search is a really key channel for for pretty much most of our clients so we're a digital first media agency so we offer um you know full spectrum service in terms of um media services for our clients and and search is definitely um a key channel of consideration for for most of those so i'd say probably around 90 to 95 percent of our clients we are managing the their search on behalf of them um, and obviously being, a, as I said before, a digital first media agency, we're always looking for ways in which we can innovate the way that we're doing things for our clients and, and maximize the results that they're seeing. Fantastic. Now, Gary, you've given, I guess, the IAB a good time and a hard time over how much attention we may or may not pay on search, seeing it's such a big component of the industry. Um, and you've been really a really consistent voice sort of um, in terms of people needing to, a broader audience needing to understand what's going on in search. Um, wh- why do you think now in particular is an important um, inflection point for search as a product? I might just highlight why I've, uh, I've always been kind of, you know, pretty persistent. I think you, you made reference to um, the report that you do with PwC and 44% of, of digital dollars in Australia going on search. Um, you know, it's, it's such a huge share of, of spend, um, you know, Jonathan made reference, obviously, to how important it is for his clients as it is for mine. I mean, I always just felt that the the IAB should have a search council, which, fingers crossed, is what we're going to move towards. I know we're discussing it at the moment. You know, it's such an important piece of the puzzle that I always think it's, it's generally underrepresented full stop. Um, but if we think about search, it, it kind of hasn't really changed since its inception. I mean, obviously, it's advanced, it's changed, it's grown up, but, but in essence, it's, it's, it's still fundamentally the same. And now what we now see is the, the implementation of artificial intelligence within search um, is fundamentally going to change exactly how it works. Um, and I think this is the right time for everyone to start considering um, and, and paying more attention to it. How is that change going to happen? But I think when I talk about or when we talk about artificial intelligence in search, we need to understand what we're actually talking about. So search has had an element of artificial intelligence for many, many years. If we think about Google's algorithm, Bing's algorithm, what is it if it isn't a series of different AI-powered ways of thinking? Um, Specifically, probably around natural language would be one of the key things. So we've always had artificial intelligence um, within search, but now what we're talking around is how the results are provided to us. Um, So we know that Bing has a chat uh, we know that Google has barred, um, and what we're going to see is the way that results are presented to the consumer is going to change fundamentally. Um, and the question is, is that how is that change going to manifest itself? Um, how are agencies like Rival Media and Indago, how are we going to ride that wave and make sure that our clients can take maximum advantage? And at the moment, no one really knows. But the fundamental change and the way that I see it is if we look at current search results, it's syndicated content. The search engines provide us images, maps, shopping, or just text links. We click on one of those and we go to a website. They're just filtering through and they're syndicating the correct content for us. 
But the change is moving away from syndicated content to what I would term curated content. So in these new experiences, this generative experience, um, Google are actually calling those, those, uh, theirs search generative uh, uh, experience, is we're going to get uh, curated content. So all of a sudden, what will happen is instead of getting a series of results that we'll click on and go off-site, and what will happen is it will put all of that information together and provide us this, this curated uh, experience. And how's that going to work? I mean, fundamentally, no one knows at this moment in time. And, and that's why I think it's a really, really interesting time to set up a search council with the IAB and why I think it's a really interesting time for, for, for agencies such as Jonathan as myself and myself. I guess, Gary, what you're kind of talking about there, though, is a shift from AI and automation being something that was in the back end of these search engines and something which, you know, has been around for a long period of time, as you said, but now AI is shifting to the front end and actually consumers are now going to be able to to experience it. And what that experience now means for the consumer, as you said, in terms of the curation, in terms of, you know, when they actually ask a question, what is the answer that comes back to them? I mean, there's always been a kind of way of us being able to know and understand. And SEO has been a great space, always changing in terms of how we optimize websites to be seen in the search experience. But now we're moving to a whole new experience where there is, a, I guess, a not really clear understanding of how brands or how websites are going to be positioned in these new search experiences. Yeah, I I totally agree. And it's funny because... I think with anything like this, there's a bit of a panic at the moment. So, you know, uh, ChatGPT comes out, you know, there's this mass panic, especially in our industry. Our industry, we love to panic about things. You know, these, these things are going to massively kill jobs and Google's going to die a death and, you know, whatever else we want to panic about. But the reality of it is it's going to be quite slow. You know, Google then quickly launched their version, but really they're massively in their infancy. Um, you know, they're still in beta. Um, I don't know if you've played around with either one of those options, but, you know, they're still rusty, let's say. But yeah, you're totally right. You know, we've gone from this kind of back end, which, you know, advertisers and advertising agencies have been using for years, and it's very much front end, but no one knows what it's actually going to look like. And that's what makes it interesting. So what do marketers do now? Do they wait? Do they start changing their content offerings? Uh, I I guess the key part of that, Gaze, is agility right? Because the, the thing that we've got to be able to do is move at speed. Um, and I think in the, in the new economy now that we're kind of entering into that agility and that flexibility, the brands are going to be able to show and, and be able to, um, uh, you know, change as they go is going to be rewarded. Um, and so that's the key thing, whether it be content strategy, whether it be, you know, website, um, setups and technical backends, whatever it needs to be, marketing teams and marketing professionals need to know that they need to move at speed in order to really uh, reap the benefits of, of what these new experiences are going to show. I, I, I totally agree with that. I think I think there's also a couple of other points is, is that, let, let's be honest about it, you know, when being first launched there, a uh, new experience, we did see a shift towards, you know, people using Bing. Um, we looked sort of, oh, we've got about our access to about 120 different GA profiles. Uh, and we saw about a 20% year on year increase in people moving uh, uh, to Bing, but it's off a very low base. Um, but I think the thing we have to think about is, is that, yes, we need to be agile. We need to move quickly. But fundamentally, Google's business, who is, you know, the lion's share of the audience or the lion's share of the market in Australia, they're not going to jeopardize their cash cow of paid search. You know, this thing isn't going to die. You know, Jonathan and I aren't going to be without jobs. Um, You know, this thing will work and they'll make sure it works. Um, So I I can't see that fundamentally changing. 
I think what will be interesting is SEO will fundamentally change. Um, and, and, and I think the question is, is, is that will content not just become more important and quality content? You know, whereas we would get a list of, of 10 SEO links showing us content, now it's curated. So surely only the best content, the, the, the top positions one, two, and three are, are the ones that are going to win. I don't think fundamentally the practice of SEO or paid search is going to change. We're just going to have to morph. I don't see these wholesale changes that people are talking about. Uh, we'll just be need to, to be agile and move within the confines. But I don't think either, either paid or organic is going to grossly change or, or not in the near future anyway. Yeah. And I think if you look at the search generative experience or the SGE that, that Google have started to release in the US, and again, you can see some people have been able to, to get access to it. We're not talking about a complete change of the way that Google actually works. So this experience, similar to how, you know, if you search for something, sometimes you get the knowledge panels at the top, this search experience kind of sits there within that. Now, obviously, there's a lot of interaction and a lot of encouragement to interact with the AI within that. And you would assume that most people will do that. But if you scroll down on the page, you're still going to get your organic links, but they're just much further down on the page, which we know is not as good real estate. Um, and Gary, you hit the nail on the head before. Obviously, Google want to make sure that, you know, from a sponsored and ads perspective, those are still front and center. So, you know, your shopping um, panel, um, any kind of paid search ads will still be front and center for people to be able to click on and engage with as well. Do you see um, the power of images and voice and audio? Because we've been really good at indexing text side of things. There's obviously a lot more content that's on the, the web. Will AI help sort of bubble up those other assets as well? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, if, if even if you look at what Google's already been doing, I mean, from, from an ads perspective and an organic perspective, trying to include more, I guess, images within the listings to be able to, to make them more appealing, to be able to encourage those, those click-through rates and the engagement. Um, again, the, the um, audio part and the voice search is, again, a really interesting space because I can, really, I can see a really clear convergence between AI and voice search. Mm -hmm. um, and I know voice search was something that we were all talking about two, three years ago. Oh, it's going to change. Everyone's going to be voice, 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 voice. Now, you know, maybe that wasn't 100% true in the last three years, but maybe in the next five years, as AI becomes more assistive, you're more likely to use it to be able to help you in, in your everyday tasks rather than typing. So I can really see a, a voice search having a bit of a resurgence. And then also off the back of that, it being able to read websites and be able to give you answers off the back of it as well. Yeah. I think you're totally right. Going back to your point, uh, Gay, is, is that if you think about it, Google will only show the results that people are clicking on. So if it's showing images, it's because people are engaged with them, if it's showing videos. So I think Google's relatively effective in understanding that content already, um, but it just chooses not to show it as much because maybe it's not getting that, that kind of engagement. John Jonathan made an actually a really interesting point is, is that you can see, uh, if you can sign up to, it's called the Google Search Lab. Um, you can only access it in the US. Um, and in our experience, only if you've got uh, an established uh, US Google account, which luckily we have. So if you just VPN and try to access it, you wouldn't be able to today. But if you've got an established one. But it's quite interesting looking at it. And you can see that it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a mess, to be honest with you. And what's really interesting, because obviously mostly the US are accessing it, is recent polls that I've been reading is actually people are kind of already moving away from it. Um, you know, there's been a lot of polls. Um, and if you read, you know, search engine lands and, and those kind of uh, websites, um, people are already starting to push away from it and actually saying, well, actually, this isn't providing the results I need. 
I'm going to look at the more traditional search. So it's still got a lot of long way to go. Um, I don't think it will die, um, but I think we just have to remember, you know, we're talking about something that's only been around for a couple of months. You know, it's still, you know, pretty average. Yeah, fantastic. Um, the, the idea of, I guess, um, responsible AI, does that come into your discussions at all with the, with the future of, of, of search? Is that, is that top of mind for you or your clients? Look, I mean, being being responsible is always something that, you know, you're talking about with clients. And obviously, there's going to be some concerns that, that sometimes um, uh, get put forward when it comes to AI. I think especially as it comes to um, the, the work that is currently being done to be able to integrate business data in with AI as well. Um, so there's, there's work that you can do at the moment to actually link your business data with Microsoft's uh, Azure AI to actually, from a customer service perspective, be able to leverage um, AI technologies and chatbots and things like that to fast track um, people asking about their orders. Now, um, you know, obviously there needs to be some responsibility in terms of how much data that you're sharing as part of that and also making sure that that data is being shared securely, um, not open to the public or not being passed back to then be, you know, publicly available through the AI as well. So there's one part of it, which I guess, you know, from a responsibility perspective, you can put more in the privacy, data handling, data security perspective. Um, but then you've also got this other side of AI, which is, I guess, just around, you know, the how AI is being built. Um, is it being built responsibly? Um, and I think Google and, and um, Microsoft and, and um, uh, OpenAI have all come out with their kind of frameworks around how, you know, they propose that they are going to be building it responsibly and the checks and balances that are going to be in place as they do that as well. Um, now, again, those are obviously guidelines. I can't speak to those. I'm not, you know, in it building the AI every single day. I would, I would hope as an end consumer that, that those guidelines are, are being followed, and I'm sure that they are. Um, but obviously, then we need to be careful and responsible in terms of how we build AI into the future as well to make sure that, you know, it is, it is doing, um, I, I guess, following um, the rules that, that we kind of set it to follow. Yeah, and I'd encourage anyone at the moment, there's an Australian government inquiry into that safe and responsible AI development that the IAB is sort of trying to pull together, you know, what that looks like in advertising, at least for the next couple of years and, and how we can be responsible as an industry. So please get in touch if, if you want to discuss that with the IAB. Um, JD, I might just stay with you for a second and we've, we could talk for another couple of hours on, on all of this. But from a top line point of view, we've talked about the changing of search as a product um social search and commerce coming into the mix do you treat them very differently or is that sort of starting to merge a bit more yes yeah, so look this is a really i guess a, a emerging space and i guess what i'll do is I'll, i might just give a little bit of an explanation to to what both of those things are for for any of the listeners who aren't 100 percent aware um, and I, and I will caveat that a lot of the data in this space is coming out of, of the US. Um, so it's not a hundred percent reflective of the Australian market. Um, but essentially there's this idea that Google is potentially losing some of its, um, uh, I guess market share or, or go to, um, uh, as the dominant search engine within the market. And it's being taken up from a social perspective, actually by TikTok. Um, so a lot of data is suggesting that younger generations, when they're looking for products, 
go to TikTok in order to search for those and find um, where that they where they can buy that and where those shops are. Um, and then from an e-commerce or from a retail perspective, rather than people searching through Google for products, um, a lot of people in the US are going directly to Amazon. Um, we kind of call it like vertical commerce search, you know, straight to the iconic, straight to Amazon, straight to wherever that kind of dominant, um, you know, uh, brand is within a, within a particular vertical rather than going to Google. Um, now, again, Google are obviously doing a lot in the space to, I guess, um, combat that. So uh, Google have recently actually put out their product knowledge panel, um, which is basically a, a um, collation of a number of different data sources from different websites, um, Google Merchant Center being one of them. So if you search for a product, it can actually record all of the places you can buy that and the prices. Again, similar to how an Amazon might um, put together their, their search. Um, so in terms of what this actually means, I mean, uh, as I said, a lot of this data is coming out of the US uh, at the moment. There's not a lot of data in the Australian market. Um, but what we are seeing, I guess, is a little bit more of a play from an ad space uh, for, for marketers to start playing more in the search elements beyond just Google. Um, so again, Amazon, you know, there's a lot of data coming out about um, how much growth they're seeing in the Australian market. And obviously off the back of that, their ads products. Um, and then from a social media perspective as well, you see TikTok and Meta opening up more inventory into the search areas as well for you to be able to tap into um, and get your brand in front of when people are searching as well. Yeah, which which makes sense. I mean, those as those um, services get bigger, that discovery element and then monetizing that discovery makes sense. Yeah, definitely. But I think also um, also the the products that we can be or services that we can be promoting on those uh, uh, social and, and shopping are also relatively limited as well. You know, people aren't going to TikTok and asking about uh, interest rates rises and, and you know, therefore mm. home loans. So, um, you know, we talked about a certain demographic, but I think it's also a certain product type as well or service type that it's relevant for. So they're actually, you know, relatively small parts of the industry. Yeah, correct. I definitely agree with that. And, and, and just on that demographic part of it as well, I mean, this is from a, the, the TikTok data that I've seen, really just Gen Z and young millennials. And again, we're not talking about a massively, you know, large number of, of them using TikTok is a, this is still a very small proportion. Obviously, they're coming off a low base, so the data is growing. Um, but again, you get conflicting pieces of data as well. I mean, I saw something just uh, a couple of weeks ago that actually said year on year now, um, this actually came out of civic science in the US. They're actually now seeing a decline in Gen Z and millennials using TikTok um, for, for product-based searches. Um, so again, it's a, it's a consistently you know, changing space in terms of how people are searching. Tough for marketers; they're going to show up everywhere. Well, that's where that the ag next, yeah. agility, agility, and flexibility is always going to be rewarded, as I said before. And isn't that also what makes it fun and interesting? Yeah, just because it worked yesterday doesn't mean it's going to work today or tomorrow. That's it. Okay, last tips from both of you. Let's let's stay in the sort of here and now-ish rather than looking too far out. Um, Gary, if you had to give marketers listening to this podcast a couple of you know, must do's uh, to ensure that they retain sort of their share of voice in category and, and really making the most of any search investment. Oh, do you know you what? I'm, 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 I'm going to give a bit of a sigh. I'm going to go a bit of a sigh. You've got to sort out your Google Analytics 4. I know it sounds ridiculous, but, mm. you know, most of us or a lot of us are using uh, Google Analytics. And I think one of the things that, that we're not seeing is people storing their old data. Um, so, you know, we're moving to the space where, you know, we value data, we pay for data, 
data. Um, but, you know, people aren't storing what could be 10, 12 years worth of historical data, and it makes no sense to me. It's very, very cheap to store your old data in the cloud. We need to be storing our old data, mashing it up to our new Google Analytics 4, so we can start seeing seasonality year on year, because that data's got huge value. Um, and it just amazes me that so few people are doing that. So I think, and that's kind of almost more general marketing, obviously, mm. than, than search. Yeah, that's that, a great tip. That would be my first thing. And then the second thing, going back onto this, this new experience within search um, and, and Jonathan's point about being agile, we need to start, I believe, understanding the value of zero-click searches uh, for SEO. So, you know, we know that zero-click searches are increasing. Uh, we did a, a, a piece of research where we looked at about 11 million keywords in Australia, comparing between 2021 and 23. Um, and we see that on average, there's a 26% drop in clicks uh, if you've got a, a page one position. So basically, therefore, you could lose 26% of your SEO traffic without declining your position because less people are clicking and Google are giving more results. And this is all we're going to see as we move forward to this, this, this new way of searching. That's going to continue to increase. So I think staying agile, we need to start better understanding the value of our brand within the search results rather than just purely measuring it on clicks and conversions, which fundamentally changes the whole way we measure search. So I think, and that's kind of happening now. We've already seen that in the past couple of years, um, but that's going to exacerbate over the next few years. Um, So that would be my other point, is understanding the branding value that we get within search as well as the conversion value. Yeah, which is trickier often to build into a dashboard or make sense of, particularly for CFOs. For sure, for sure. Uh, JD, what about you? What last couple of tips for people listening? Yeah, I mean, in terms of ha- how to, to, I guess, drive drive growth in the current market, um, I'd say I'd put a pretty big one in terms of putting uh, thinking about value beyond just price. Um, so obviously, in in this type of market, people are very price driven. Um, but uh, one thing that's going to set you apart from the rest is actually being able to think about how you can give a customer value beyond just that that lower price, so whether it be through loyalty programs, whether it be through, I guess, a, a, the experience side of things as well. So definitely thinking about how you can do that. Um, I think another one, and again, this is probably more for, for e-commerce brands specifically, um, but just better optimizing your feeds. Um, I'm always so surprised at how many e-commerce brands are out there either not optimizing their feeds or not thinking about ways that they can really leverage it to drive incremental value. And we've got to think about that. You know, Google's going to read a feed differently to how Meta might read a feed or Pinterest or Bing or whatever it might need to be. So really getting down in the nuts and bolts and finding value out of your feed is, is another key one. Um, and then just finally, I think about how you can actually find new avenues of growth. Um, again, affiliates is a, is a really emerging, uh, or I guess it is from a consumer perspective, it's emerging at the moment. More and more consumers are jumping onto things like cash wards and cash back and shop back um, and things like that. Um, and then also thinking about, you know, from a marketplace perspective, how you might be able to find new avenues of growth and new, new avenues of uh, revenue for your business as well. Fantastic tips. Um, we, could, we could do another another piece on affiliates because it definitely is growing in a, in a time when, um, yeah, budgets are tough on, on both business and consumer side. Yeah. Um, thank you both for joining us today. Um, Gary, definitely we will be having an IAB group talking about search so your your wish um has come true um and we'll be putting out more information in market around how search is changing and how marketers can make the most of it so thank you both for joining me today awesome thanks so much Kate. really appreciate it 
Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Kay. Appreciate it. Thank you. The IAB Australia podcast. Digital advertising leaders and the issues that matter. How do we make it simple? Try to stop a lot of the buzzwords. A chance to change the way a whole industry works. For more information, visit iabaustralia.com.au. Thanks, Gary.